Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. I'm Sabrina Gayor, and my new cookbook is Sirocco. Your recipes are all inspired by flavors of the East, but use fresh produce, techniques, and cooking styles of the West. Most of us think Middle Eastern food is spicy and time-consuming. Talk about the versatility of your recipes. I think um, the versatility of my recipes come probably because I I don't have any hard and fast rules for cooking in at home. Um, and, you know, bear in mind that all my recipes always come about from home. You know, they're not things I don't have a professional kitchen. So I cook pretty much similarly to most people, I would say, uh, granted that, you know, I'm aware my skill set is a little bit advanced, um, when it comes to Middle Eastern food, but I don't feel restricted about, uh, something having to be Middle Eastern or, or Chinese or Italian or whatever. I, I kind of like to fix food that feels good to me. And sometimes that's like maybe based around, around one fresh ingredient that maybe I need to use up or, um, you know, the, the, the real star of the show is a spice or something like that. Um, so for me, fusing the two together is, it's just very, very natural for me. Um, and, and if anything, Sirocco really shows my own comfortable food style at home and the kind of things that I like to eat that don't really have an identity but for the sake of sharing this with people I would say it feels Middle Eastern but it's a little bit more Western style. What Uh, does the word Sirocco mean? Sirocco means um, it's actually the name of a Saharan wind um, the Italians call it uh, Shiroko with a C, S-C-I-R-O-C-C-O, which um, is uh, this eastern wind starts in the Sahara and it's warm and it blows um, towards the Mediterranean. Um, so it kind of felt appropriate to call the book that because it's very much how I cook. It's eastern flavors that feel eastern to people but the the dishes themselves once produced kind of are a little bit more western and and let's say familiar for us perhaps uh, more than we know so they don't really have an identity so it it was a you know no-brainer for me to pick that name this cookbook is all about combinations of flavors and textures do you have a go-to spice to give simple dishes that extra flavor yeah, I think at the moment, I have to be honest, I'm fairly obsessed with pulbeber. Um, it's a Turkish pe- pepper flake, sometimes called Aleppo pepper. It doesn't have seeds in it, and it's a much uh, less aggressive chili flake. So it's much more friendly for putting in everything. And I admit, I put it in everything at home because we love spice. So, um, But it doesn't always just necessarily l- lend an aggressive chili flavor, you know, Sometimes it just gives something a little note that gives your, you know, tongue a sort of pleasant tickle as it as you enjoy the food. And it's nice. It's not uncomfortable in any way. So I I like using that. And I'm guilty of using it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I kind of have stopped myself at cakes, but I'll probably find (laughs) some some way of incorporating it into like a baked bread with maybe honey or something. It's just, it's wonderful stuff. It doesn't add heat. It adds flavor or flavor and heat. It it definitely, if you want to, you know, if you want to put a pronounced amount in it, it will definitely very comfortably add heat to to food. Definitely. It has that because it's a, it's a chili. Um, But it doesn't have to, if you use it in the right combinations, um, provide anything than a perfect 
companion that complements whatever ingredient, let's say you're using feta cheese, for example. On feta cheese, because feta cheese is salty and rich and creamy, that kind of chili heat dissipates a little bit and just becomes a more of a sort of tickle. But if you want to, you can put like a teaspoon of it all over the feta and then, you know, then it's spicy, but it's still spicy, married with creamy and salty and, you know, lovely. So it just works really well um, with pretty much everything. <laughs> I have so much admiration for self-taught chefs like yourself. Tell oh, us how your passion for Persian cuisine took hold in your teens. So it really, my my love for Persian food, you, I, I think if you grow up with a food, you don't often have appreciation for it until it's taken away from you. Yeah. And then suddenly you start to miss it. And, you know, my grandmother learned to cook from 1979 onwards in England as a case of absolute necessity. And, and, and it was only like I can count on one hand how many dishes she actually learned. Um, so she wasn't a, a comfortable cook and she used to do it like once a month, make loads of things on a Sunday and freeze them. Then once she got older, the absence of having sort of any kind of Persian food or waiting for somebody to very kindly drop some stew round or something, I got tired of it, waiting for it. So I taught myself, I set out to teach myself probably over the next decade after my teens, you know, how to get some of these flavors and how to sort of get the stews right. And I'm not going to lie. To my memory, some one particular dish that I would never teach um, because it's so personal it took me ten years to nail for that comfortable flavor that I personally remember. You know, Persian dishes they might be simple, but that every family might do some different element. Different regions use different ingredients for that particular stew. Like the bean might be you know, red kidney bean in one stew, but, you know, in some region they use brown beans, some region they, they use black-eyed beans. Some people put spinach in it, some people don't. Like, the variations are quite interesting. So it, you can have so many versions and they're still acceptable, but the one I remember from my childhood of how things tasted for me, it you know, it took me a while to get it. So I, I kind of try and veer away from teaching people things that I feel would maybe kind of befuddle them or wouldn't be as great unless they really, really got it right. So I like to, I prefer to teach comfortable food to people, you know, things that I think work really well and are actually incredibly simple because if they want to explore it and go for the harder stuff, they don't need me. They can do that. In the United States, our supper clubs were popular in the thirties and forties and were generally found in the rural upper Midwest. It was a whole evening of cocktails, dinner, and nightclub-style entertainment. Describe your supper club in London. Oh, God. I did everything myself, so there was definitely no nightclub-style entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) And I can tell you, on a a number of occasions, I did everything I could to discourage people staying too late because, you know, it was my home and I had to go to sleep. So um, it was, basically, I uh, fell into it uh, out of no alternative because I, you know, lost my job and I just had to do these things to earn money. And luckily they were popular at the time. So dinner for 12, um, where I was the cook, the waitress, cleaner, serving people whilst cooking 10 dishes for them. Um, and then it was sort of started in the early evening and ended by about, I'd say 11 o'clock at night because they were midweek and I kept it kind of early in the week to be sensible, but it was fun. It's like sitting, you know, on a one large, very cramped, intimate table with tons of food on it. Um, but you know, forced to talk to people you wouldn't normally 
get to me or maybe you wouldn't choose, um, uh, you know, the, those kind of people. But it was just always interesting and never negative, never one bit of, uh, you know, never one bad occasion or instance or uncomfortable conversation with all my guests for four years of doing them. So it was always really lovely, um, which is why I kind of, when I ended it, I thought, yeah, that's great. You, you Most people want to end things on a high, and that was definitely a high. What is your process for developing a recipe? <laughs> the unanswerable question. <laughs> um, the 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 I would just say the kindest truth would be to say remove said process entirely because I'm a very instinctive cook. I cook every single day, um, either breakfast or breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so I'm constantly cooking. I'm constantly just you know, just picking out what looks good in a market or a supermarket or what I have in the freezer or my fridge that needs to get used up. And, and, you know, that's really great because you end up coming up with very varied combinations sometimes of the same thing, but it enables dishes and, uh, you know, real flavor combinations to develop to the point that you're like, aha, that was good. Yep. Everybody was raving about that tonight. Right. Stick that on my list and boom, you know, there's a recipe. I kind of, cherry pick from what I do at home and uh, and eat out and then come back with different ideas of how to wildly vary said recipe based on let's say a, a raw asparagus salad or something like that I come and I do my version of it at home and then tweak it and you know it's a combination of things but sometimes I think travel is the best thing really because it opens your eyes to so many different flavors and and techniques that are would also work with middle eastern flavors so it's important to stay varied are there ever any middle eastern vegetables or ingredients that you say wow i've never used this hmm i mean actually it occurred to me the other day when my mother came home with this like um you know ziploc bag uh with these black seeds in it and she said cumin and uh I looked at it and, and it's, I could smell it as it came in. And I was like, that's not cumin. She was like, you know, you have to remember my mother doesn't really yeah. know much about food, <laughs> ingredients, names of things, you know. And I, and I was like, that's not cumin. She was like, well, you know, for us it was cumin. And I was like, that's caraway, mum. And, and I know that because I hate it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just can't stand it. It's so pungent. She loves it and, and she thinks it's cumin. And, you know, who am I to argue? <laughs> um, so I, I think caraway actually is the one thing. It is quite Eastern. The Russians use it a lot in baking. You know, lots of countries use it. Yeah, it's not my bag. I, I have to admit it's not. I don't cook with it. And I realized, oh, it, a couple of days ago, I realized oh, I've never written caraway into any of my books. So <laughs> maybe if I if if I do another book, I'm going to sit down and find something I like about caraway and maybe a way of using it. Maybe grind it down and then use it as a background flavor with something sweet and spicy, and maybe I'll love it. On Saturday night, I made your recipe for chickpea butternut squash preserved lemon and harissa tagine on page one sixty four. And what did you think? It was so good, but. I thought there's a lot of cinnamon in this recipe. I kept thinking this is too much cinnamon, yeah. but it totally worked. Yeah, it's it's funny how people are nervous because especially with cinnamon, cinnamon is a dangerous 
spice to pick it well it's <laughs> idealistically i think especially for americans that it's really a cinnamon rolls and apple pie it's a they it has a very strong identity in north america as a spice and it's very dif- defined what what you know people are comfortable using it and of course the middle east it's completely different all we use it in is savory things mostly you know and and it's there's there's a reason you know it reduces your blood pressure it's got so many health benefits, you know, cinnamon tea, you know, of course, for us, it's a comfortable flavor. It's not associated solely with baking. So I think people think, oh, well, it, you know, lamb, maybe that's weird with cinnamon. But actually, I pile it into lamb dishes and spices. And when you're combining things with other things, they take on a different character anyway. So it's not the same flavor that you would mentally sort of picture and especially things like butternut squash and sweet potato potatoes and celeriac and all those root vegetables and squashes they love spice like on a whole other level think pumpkin pie is a comfortable marriage of a squash you know vegetable with uh cinnamon but just think of it with just a savory note it would still work beautifully so i'm a lot more confident with my spice use i think tagine is the dish and also the cooking pot do you think it matters if the ingredients are cooked in a traditional tagine or let's say a regular stock pot absolutely not i you know i don't have a gas burner at home there's no way i could authentically cook a tagine dish at home and i certainly don't let it stop me you're more than welcome to do that at home you can buy clay tagine dishes online and in you know specialty stores and stuff like that in the states it's very easy to do but i just find it a bit of a fiddle because you've got to bring it home and boil it and milk to make it extra sturdy and then you know it's just too much faff and it's a massive dish if you want to serve enough people which you know i'm middle i'm iranian middle eastern you know we 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 don't serve like we don't make a whole dish that serves just two people we think big, we think family, freezing, all of those things. So we make, we, when we go, you know, we do big portions. So I just found using a cooking pot absolutely fine. And a tagine would have been a, a vessel created out of necessity. We don't need to do that now. So um, even though it definitely is a completely different result, you know, I have to say tagine is, it creates a slightly different, a slightly more um, whole ingredient dish with a much thinner, less broth because it relies heavily on steam. So it is different, but it's still, you can still create the same flavors. Enjoy yourselves. Don't let, don't let a a clay vessel come between you and a, a good time. So thank you, Sabrina, the golden girl of Persian cooking for coming on cookery by the book podcast oh thank you so much for having me thank you 